Welcome back to the Practical Woodsman Podcast. I'm Rut, the creator and host of the Practical Woodsman. That's right. It's my genius which has brought this all into existence. When it comes to the woods, what would you say? Is old gear and old ways of doing things the best? Or is new gear and new ways of doing things better? Why or why not? Well, you might be surprised by what I got to say about that. But we have to do the musical introduction first. So stick around. Don't go away. Well, I had to turn on the old air conditioner there in the background, folks, so there's going to be a bit of a hum in the background. I hope you don't mind too much about that, but, uh, you know, it's 75 degrees out there still tonight, and I would just burn. I would burn to a crisp. There once was this feller who liked to hike in regular old leather work boots. Do you know the kind I'm talking about? It's the ones that have the hooks going up the side and you crisscross the laces back and forth about a fourth of the way up your shin. Have you ever worn regular old leather work boots like this? Well, let me tell you, those boots ain't made for walking contrary to the way the song goes. They are made for working and protecting your feet, protecting your toes, protecting your ankles. Well, this fella I'm telling you about wore them for hiking anyway. But more than that, he did it in bare feet. That's right. He wouldn't wear any socks whatsoever with these boots, these old work boots that I'm describing to you. When his feet would start developing blisters because those style boots offer no real cushion on the inside whatsoever. They, they certainly didn't, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. No cushion on the inside. But when this guy's feet would start to develop blisters and hot spots, you know what he'd do? He would go down to the edge of a creek, fill the bottom of the boot with sand and he would hike that way. Now you might think that this guy wouldn't get very far hiking in boots like this without all the special ergonomics and special insoles and rubber molds that are available today. But this fella I'm telling you about is none other than Earl Schaefer. You know who Earl Schaefer was? He was the first person in the whole world to backpack the entire length of the now infamous 2,300 mile or so Appalachian Trail on foot in 1948 and he did it in those boots. He did it in those boots just the way I described it to you. No socks, 
sand in the bottoms of them anytime his feet would start to develop a hot spot or a blister. Now remember he did this at a time when all the topographical maps and you know the trail notes that we have today were non-existent. Earl Schaefer had to guess where large portions of the trail were. In fact in his book he describes having to bushwhack like uh, the trail's supposed to go this way but there's just no trail there. Or somebody had put the trail there but because there was nobody walking the Appalachian Trail back then. It just growed up real fast after after sections of the trail were made. Not only was he wearing boots like that, <laughs> with no socks, filled up with sand to cushion his feet, but if my memory serves me correct, when he started off, he was packing a cotton canvas army pup tent. Now, I had one of those cotton canvas pup tents when I was a kid. Don't know where my daddy got it. But my brother and I uh, carried that thing back about two, about a mile or mile and a half, two miles back in the woods. And uh, we spent an entire summer in that tent. What I mean is, is that every night when it was time to go to bed, we'd go in brush our teeth do all that stuff and then we'd say so long folks and we'd head down into the woods and uh, we slept in that that pup tent all summer long every night and I got stories to tell you about that on another occasion the reason I'm mentioning it right now is because I think Earl Schaefer was carrying that same tent and uh, that cotton canvas it was, the, it was the type where you, you would carry half and then your army buddy would carry the other half and then they would connect along the top, along the, the center ridge. They would they'd buckle together and then you would have a two-person pup tent. And uh, they're, they're heavy. But he, he carried one, I think, to start off and then uh, eventually abandoned it, I think, and and they just went without a tent or a shelter most of the time. If those cotton canvas tents weigh 30 pounds, bone dry, you can imagine how heavy they are when they get when they get wet. If you'd like to verify the details of what I'm telling you here about Earl Schaefer, you can read his book. It's all in this book that I'm showing here on the camera. Let me see if I can get that in focus there. It's called Walking with Spring the story that inspired thousands of Appalachian Trail through hikers yeah thanks for nothing Earl Schaefer got all those people ruining the woods you know it's a it's not a thick book that's that's a book you can read in a day and it's just fascinating he's got all of his original pictures in there and everything from his very first through hike on the Appalachian Trail back to the lace-up work boots the same kind that uh, Earl Schaefer describes in his book on the very first official long distance backpacking trip that I went on with my buddy Jeffrey. He wore exactly that style of boots. And let me tell you what, those boots ate his feet to bits. He was in agony. After the first day he was in agony. They really are not made for hiking. They're, they're made for working in, a, in an area but they're not made for long distance walking. 
After that adventure, my friend Jeffrey's feet didn't recover for several weeks. He still talks about it. His whole, the whole back heel of his foot was uh, blistered, and uh, when it started to heal, it had just a whole back part of his heel come off from wearing those type of boots for a backpacking excursion. Still, it's always been my argument that modern equipment, modern gear, makes us softer. Yeah, it makes us softer. But is that always a bad thing? Well, it's probably not always a bad thing. But whether it's true or not, ain't even up for discussion. Anything that makes something easier on you makes you softer. I got into a conversation with a runner once, you know, a jogger. They used to call them joggers. Now that terms out. They're all runners. Even if they're jogging, they're runners. But I got into a conversation with a runner one time. It was a guy I graduated from school with. I told him that I used the same pair of tennis shoes for everything sports and exercise related. So what I mean by that is that I go to the shoe store, you know, now I don't even go to a shoe store, I just do it online, but I buy a pair of uh, tennis shoes online or at the shoe store, and uh, those tennis shoes serve as my everything sports and exercise related shoes. But anyway, this runner I was talking to, he was raving about all of the new shoes that are specifically made for runners. These are specifically running shoes. And he's going on and on and on about how much better they are for people who run. And my argument was this. I understand that they make running much more comfortable and easy. But is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? And he was getting angry and defensive and giving me all these stats. For example, the modern shoes specifically designed for running. He could cover more miles in less time. His feet hurt less afterwards and all these things. And I kept having to remind him that my argument was not whether they make things easier for you or more comfortable. Clearly they do. My argument is that if a shoe makes things easier and more comfortable for you, is that better in terms of conditioning one's body? If a shoe makes running a lot easier for me than it does than some than another person's shoes, let's say that another person's running in dress shoes. So I'm wearing these highfalutin brand new modern tennis shoes or running shoes. And they're perfectly designed for my feet, and you know they're super light. They're made out of all these cutting-edge materials and all that stuff. They weigh less than a, a styrofoam cup. And then another guy, he's running in boots, <laughs> let's say. Boots or, let's say, dress shoes. And every day, me and this other person run the same distance. First of all, whose accomplishment is more impressive? Who would you just have to naturally assume is the far more stronger, more impressive runner? Me in my shoes, which make running as soft and as fluffy and easy for me as can possibly be, or the guy running in cowboy boots? 
the same distance, running the same distance in cowboy boots. The far more stronger, more impressive runner would have to be the guy in the cowboy boots, wouldn't you say? It would have to be. Because he's doing it in cowboy boots. He's doing the same thing I'm doing, all pampered and fluff, fluffy and nice. And he's doing the same thing in more challenging circumstances. In the end, who's going to have conditioned his body to be stronger, more resilient, and to possess more endurance? Well, obviously, it's going to be the guy who's running the same distance in, in dress shoes or in cowboy boots because he's subjected himself to a greater challenge. Have you heard of Jim Thorpe? Jim Thorpe is a pretty fantastic example of what I'm talking about. Before I tell you about him, let me get a couple of announcements out of the way and then we'll get right back to the conversation we're having here. And better yet, I'll tie it into a broader discussion about which is better, the old ways, the old ways of the woodsman, or the new ways, the new ways and modern gear of modern backpackers and so forth. Video adventures. Now, here's the thing. I know I got a pretty good audience right now, and it's growing every week on the podcast platforms, the audio only pl- podcast platforms. And I love that, but I want to tell you that if you're only on the audio podcast, I mean, if you're only listening to this show, which I don't want to turn you off from doing that, heck, get your friends, get your cousins, get your second cousins to come in here and listen to this show. Uh, at the same time, what I want to tell you is if you're not subscribed to the video channel on YouTube and Rumble, you're missing out because this show ain't the only thing I do. Uh, I've got the podcast here, which is designed for me to be able to appeal to you folks who are just listening to the audio. But there's other things that I do. For example, I have adventures, and those are video only. So you only get to see those if you're subscribed on YouTube or Rumble. And that's just me and my time in the woods. And then I have something that I call video briefs. Video briefs. And that's like when I get a new piece of equipment or something that I want to show off or that I'm I'm fond of. Well, then I share that. But I do it in video format. So if you're just subscribed to the podcast, you'd never know about that content You'd never know about the adventures. You'd never get to see me out in the woods. So, uh, you know, don't unsubscribe from the podcast. But I would just like to encourage you to also be subscribed to the video content on YouTube, Rumble, and another place I'm going to tell you about, that's Locals. Locals is the online community that I have established for the practical woodsman, everybody interested in the practical woodsman and the things we talk about here. I picked Locals because they are uh, defenders of free speech. They're, they're interested in free speech. So anything that's legal to talk about, we could talk about there in our group on locals, share pictures, hunting pictures, those sorts of things. So the way you join is you go to thepracticalwoodsman.locals, L-O-C-A-L-S.com, or you can download the locals.com app from the App Store and uh, then just search for The Practical Woodsman within. We'd love to see you there. I've got uh, uh, a few members on there, got a few supporters on there, and 
Uh, one fella posted a video the other day, introduced himself, uh, talked about uh, he's really into, I think, prepping, I think was the term he used, like, yeah, prepping. And uh, he, he said that the, what drew him to the practical woodsman was he saw, like, all the parallels between the things that I think about and I'm, you know, I emphasize here and um, the things that he's interested in as a prepper. So you can only see that if you're on our group. Now, here's another thing I'd like to tell you. It's my intention to start doing live streams on the locals community. So I'm thinking about doing that maybe once a week. That would be an addition to this show, obviously. And I'm not sure what shape or format it's going to take, but you know, I do my best to make it interesting, try to have something to show off each time, a, a topic for everybody to talk about. Now, a live stream, the way a live stream works is that I'm live on camera, just like you're watching me here, but I'd be live. And uh, you get to interact with me in the chat. That would be really nice. The more members and supporters I can get over there on the locals group, the better, because then I've got more people to interact with and uh keep a, a nice live stream and conversation going last day last announcement and then we'll get on to this discussion about jim thorpe if you like this video please press like that's not only good for me it's good for you the algorithms will say hey well so and so likes this video by rut uh, the practical woodsman let's show him or her more content that's similar to this it's a, on the same topics and everything and so by liking my show you're doing yourself a favor and you're doing other creators a favor because people who are out there hoping to get discovered by you might get discovered by you simply by you pressing like on this video so i know it's a hassle and i watch an awful lot of videos on youtube and rumble and i forget to press like so i know how it goes but if you could do me that favor i'd appreciate it subscribe Make sure that you're subscribed and make sure you got the notifications turned on. That way, when I post new content, it's just not out there waiting for you to stumble upon it. You'll get a notice saying, hey, there's new content by that old guy, the Practical Woodsman. And that's all the announcements I got for you this week. Let's get into this discussion about Jim Thorpe and a broader discussion about what's better, old gear and old ways or new gear and new ways. Jim Thorpe you look up Jim Thorpe on a map, you'll discover that it's a small mountain town in Pennsylvania. Lovely little town. But where did the town get its name? It got its name from a guy named Jim Thorpe. And Jim Thorpe, the guy, was one of the most versatile athletes of modern sports who has ever lived. He was the first American Indian to win a gold medal for the United States in the Olympics. That's right, won two, two gold medals. And this guy was versatile. When I say versatile, I, I don't know if there's ever been another guy like him. He excelled at American football, excelled at professional baseball, and basketball. And he won two gold medals for the United States in the 1912 Olympics. Thorpe's final event in that 1912 Olympics was his first and only decathlon. Thorpe defeated the favorite to win by 688 points. His Olympic record of 8,413 points stood for nearly two 
decades. Now, what in tarnation does any of this have to do with what we were talking about earlier as far as modern equipment making us soft? Here you go. Just before Jim Thorpe was due to compete in this Olympics of 1912, the one I just got done telling you about where he did all these incredible athletic feats, somebody stole his shoes. So did he run down to Foot Locker and buy himself a $300 pair of new Air Jordans with all the latest arch support and cushion that man can dream up? What he did instead was he rummaged through some trash cans and he came up with two completely mismatched shoes. Both of them different sizes. Neither of them fitting him very well. In fact, he could barely fit his foot into one of them. As those of you watching the video version of this show right now can see. And then, with these two weird mismatched shoes that barely fit on his feet, Jim Thorpe went out and dominated the Olympics anyway. Am I trying to make an argument here that the hardest way is always the best way? Or that the old, less refined gear is better than the new? I'm simply illustrating that we've got it pretty easy nowadays, don't we? And all the modern stuff has the natural effect of making us weak. For example, we have some pretty uh, fantastic, spectacular even, athletes today. Shohei Otani comes to mind in Major League Baseball. He plays with the, the Angels. Now, he's out there using all the cutting-edge gear, batting gloves, uh, super scientifically designed shoes and all these things. And he's spectacular to watch. He really is. As, as great as he is, can you imagine watching him try to play without all the specialized gear that he's grown to rely on? Like, what if somebody st stole his shoes? What if somebody stole his shoes before a big game, before the World Series? Do you think he's just going to rummage some shoes out of a trash can and go out there and perform as well? Never in a million years. Never. Uh, Shohei Otani, they call him the Japanese Babe Ruth. But Babe Ruth was that interesting to watch without any of the specialized gear clothing today. And he usually performed just as well with a hangover. Well, let's get away from all the sports talk and talk about some woodsmen of the past. My personal hero is a man by the name of Simon Kenton, a frontiersman of West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. He was friends with Daniel Boone, a contemporary uh, with Daniel Boone. And actually, he was friends with him. And although Daniel Boone is more famous, Boone doesn't hold a candlestick, not a candlestick, to Simon Kenton as far as who lived the more daring, colorful, and adventurous life as a woodsman. No question about it. Simon Kenton was, I don't know, once-in-a-century type of individual. If you'd like to know more about Simon Kenton, of course, you could do a Google search, but I don't think you could do any better 
than reading this book right here. It's uh, The Frontiersman by Alan Eckert. Alan W. Eckert. The Frontier. It's a brick of a book, but I'm telling you what, I, my favorite book of all time. I started reading this sucker, and I could not put it down. There were there were parts of this book where I thought, well, I'm just going to sit down here and read here for an hour before I go to sleep tonight, and the book would just <laughs> it would grab me and it wouldn't let me go, and it would be six o'clock in the morning. Sun would be coming up. This was last summer, and I and I oh my goodness gracious, look out the window, see the sun coming up, and I think, oh my gosh, but the time would just fly. The book is so good, but it's all about Simon Kenton. It's all about the frontiersmen who come into uh, southeastern Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky, and their dealings with the Shawnee, and uh, in particular, Tecumseh, the great Indian chief. If you love the outdoors, you love the woods, you will love this book. And to know that this is all historically accurate is just mind-boggling. Most awesome book of all time. Uh, and you can tell everybody I said so. Let's let's think about Simon Kenton. Reading that book and reading his adventures and everything, and just thinking about the gear he's carrying, the food he's carrying. What type of pack must he be carrying? Thinking about what 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 kind of stuff is he wearing on his feet? Do you think uh, Simon Kenton went on these long expeditions into uncharted territory, complete wilderness? Now he's still he's probably following animal trails a lot of the time, but a lot of it is bushwhacking. It's just going through and discovering. He's doing this. You think he's not carrying a, a full-sized axe? Sure he is. He's carrying a full-sized axe. Now, he doesn't have the freeze-dried foods and stuff like that that we have today. So he's carrying heavy stuff. Beef jerky, probably flour, non-perishables, probably beans, things like that. Pemmican, hardtack. But none of that stuff is light. None of that is light. Today, I might do a 25-mile backpacking excursion in three, uh, four days, three nights. Now, I have the benefits of all these freeze-dried foods, of a pack that's made out of synthetics and designed to fit my body, and I'm able to cinch it up close to my body and carry the weight exactly the way I want, even if I take a hatchet. I'm able, if I want to, to take a, a hatchet that is designed to be as light as possible that has a, a plastic handle I'll show you alright here's a, a Gerber hatchet that I've had for a long long time it's got a like a plastic composite handle but even if I'm packing this thing I complain about the weight I if I don't absolutely absolutely need this thing I wouldn't carry it even with the plastic handle and everything like that. Now, Simon Kenton, he's not going into the woods like with this. He's going into the woods with a hickory-handled, full-length hatchet made out of high-carbon steel. But is he only carrying the axe? No, he, he's probably carrying a, a sharpening stone and all that stuff, too, with the, with the axe. And then he's carrying this pemmican, he's carrying this hardtack, he's carrying beans, he's carrying all this stuff. When he wants to sit down and eat at night, <laughs> it takes real preparation. What's he cooking in? Well, he's probably cooking in cast iron or just cooking right over the, right over the fire, you know, like uh, putting a, a squirrel or something on a spit. That's another thing in this book. 
the frontiersman you'll see him doing a lot of i see him i say i'm telling you the book is that good where you're reading it it it's like watching a movie it's that good you forget you're reading a book but in lots of parts of the book uh he's going out he's hunting he's killing game and stuff along the way not just for that day but for like the skins so he's hauling skins and everything down the ohio river you know i'm trying to get you to imagine the weight of all of these this gear now was it better gear than we have today it was different it was different gear was it better that i don't know does us using today's modern gear make us softer it's not that's not even a question nobody can come up with a serious argument to suggest otherwise of course it makes us softer me using this and complaining about the ounces or the pound or so that it weighs is evidence that i'm weaker than simon kitten carrying his hickory handled full full handled axe uh, every time he goes into the woods and what's he carrying it in he's carrying it in a either a leather or a canvas bag or you know something like that weighs 30 40 pounds and he's carrying all that food that believe you me is not the freeze-dried stuff that we carry today that, that weighs nothing until you add water to it so that's what i'm trying to get you to think about the weight of his pack his tools the boots on his feet think about this he's on foot for 80 miles and he ain't wearing a pair of keens and he ain't wearing a pair of merrells he's wearing a pair of leather boots that are made for everything they're made for doing everything were his boots better well well that's what this whole discussion's about ain't it i would argue that his boots were not better than my keens or my merrells am i suggesting that the old ways are better i'm partial to the old ways i like learning the old ways keep in mind that i am the practical woodsman i like seeing what is practical for my use today from the old ways and the old gear and i like to adopt that if the new ways in the new gear is not superior then i will not adopt the new ways in the new gear but if the new ways and the new gear is superior then I will adopt it. I, I'm not the type of person who's like, well, well, first of all, you know, we did that show about fedoras, about people pretending, like going into the woods and pretending like they're Indiana Jones. And they're actually out there, like, I don't know, living some kind of like juvenile fantasy, like I'm Indiana Jones, look, I've got the hat and, you know, I'm dressed like him and, and stuff like that. I, I'm not that type of guy. At the same time, there's a lot of new modern gear and clothing and that sort of thing that I, I simply don't, I will not adopt. There's a balance to be found. And the balance for me is this, that the new gear has to, has to complement the woods. If it doesn't, and if it's not superior to the old ways, well then, then I'm sticking with the old ways. GPS comes to mind. What's better, GPS or map? Well, there's an example where I would say the GPS is not better maps are still better why are maps still better than gps because a map's battery won't run out <laughs> a map's battery will never run out you're not dependent on an energy source for a map all you have to do is unfold it and there it is all the time it's definitely superior to gps 
GPS comes with its whole whole new array of its own problems. So it's newer. It definitely offers advantages, for example, while driving. Like if I'm driving to a place, I definitely use GPS. But once I get into the woods, and now I'm completely reliant on myself, screw the GPS. I don't want the GPS. I'm not interested in it. Now I do, as I've mentioned in other episodes of this show. Uh, I do have apps downloaded to my phone that do, uh, do not rely on a phone signal at all. They can draw information directly from a satellite. But they're not my primary means of navigating out in the woods. I don't rely on them as my primary means. My primary means always out in the backcountry is a map. And I supplement it with the GPS on my phone. Let's talk about modern backpacks versus old style backpacks. Why you think is better? There's no question about it. The new and modern backpacks are definitely superior. I love the way old backpacks look made out of the old cotton canvas or leather and you know all these natural materials and natural fibers and all that stuff but I've used I've used those packs they're terrible they offer no support most of them don't have chest straps now I'm thinking of like the Duluth pack I did a whole 30 mile excursion 30 mile plus excursion through the mountains with a Duluth pack those things are really well made but when you get your gear inside the pack the the pack doesn't hold it all tight together there's not enough cinching straps and stuff like that on the one that i had now i know that there you can spend six hundred dollars on a duluth pack that does have like all the leather straps and everything but even those even those the leather straps even though they're super nice and everything they're not as convenient are they as those plastic the the connector uh clasps let me, let me see if I can get one here and show off. All right, I've got some snake gaiters here, and it's got these clasps on them. So you, you guys can see what I'm see what I'm looking at. You got these plastic clasps here. There you go. That that is definitely an improvement over the leather straps on like a you know, five hundred, six hundred dollar Duluth pack. Where you actually have to thread the leather strap through the belt buckle and cinch it and you know do, do it's like a belt buckle whereas these clasps here these plastic clasps are a definite improvement so the Duluth packs they're beautiful are they better than modern packs with all the the, diff, the different uh, lashes and the straps and everything that you can actually cinch and get in and out of very easily instead of like having to undo a belt buckle no there's a there's an example where I would say there's no question about it modern technology in this in this case with packs is better than the old ways will they take a lot of abuse yeah they will but so will a really well-made backpack made out of modern materials will take a lot of abuse ripstop nylon for example uh, you can't hardly beat it you can't hardly beat it with a stick the stuff is really well made my boys in training gotta go outside let me take them outside I'll be right back should I, should I introduce you guys huh? here's Emerson say hello over here 
You see? Look. Barley, short term. Come here. This is Barley. Beautiful, wonderful dog. I, I just love them both. I'm looking forward to making some videos with these guys, getting them trail ready, ready and all that stuff. Back to this discussion we were talking about. Which is better? Um, I, so to cut to the chase, I personally have settled on a hybrid system. I don't just stick with old stuff just because it's old and and that's it, right? Like I just want to look like I'm a frontiersman, so I, I dress in deer leather and all that, and eat pemmican and hardtack and live off of beef jerky. No, it's it's got to have a practical... I, I have to have a practical reason to do it. The previous episode of this show, we talked about lanterns. We were talking about all about lanterns. And, you know, I said I love the way the lanterns smell and all that. I love the light that they put off and all that. I don't carry them very often. I don't carry them very often if I'm going on a 30, 50-mile backpacking trip. Because it's it's a pain in the butt to carry the oil put the oil in you can't carry them inside your pack so they dangle off the back of your pack um, there's a lot of reasons not to do it and there's a lot of modern day lamps which the one I showed off which was my favorite will run it'll run something like 20 days or 20 nights I should say with you running that lamp all night long all night long you go to sleep with it on and have juice in that lamp for 20 days running. You can't do that with, you know, one of the Fuhrerhand oil lamps, even though I like the Fuhrerhand oil lamp better. And if a lamp doesn't produce that nice orange natural light, as we talked about in that episode, then I won't take it. I would rather take the Fuhrer hand, even though it's more bulky and all that stuff. The new stuff that I use has to complement nature. There are a lot of lamps that are better as far as being more convenient and all that, but they've got this bright, unnaturally white light, which detracts from the natural experience of being in the woods. I will not take those. I'd take a Fuhrer hand lantern, oil lantern, any day of the week over one of those lamps so that that's kind of like my conditions first of all the modern stuff has to actually offer an improvement to the old stuff and secondly it actually has to complement the natural world it can't detract from it we talked about backpacks and the Duluth pack which I love the Duluth pack it was fantastic it was very expensive but it was very well made but when I would when I wore it on like that uh, 30 plus mile backpacking trip through the mountains I, it ha I had no support it was just hanging off the edge of, of my shoulders and it didn't have a belt strap uh, like a hip strap it didn't have a chest strap and so my shoulders were carrying all the weight and besides that everything in the pack there was no way to cinch it there were no like cinching straps so <clears throat> it was worse a modern backpack is infinitely superior to that. Now let's talk about rechargeables, power banks, solar panels, that sort of thing. So, all right, so here is a power bank. This thing is fantastic. You see the form factor of this power bank? It is 38,000 milliamp hours. This thing is fantastic. And 
even better than that, it's got the the cords built into it. I would still carry like standalone cords for this thing because I wouldn't just trust that one cord would never fail on me. But these things, I'll tell you what, it's a wonderful thing. The the world we're living in right now, where you can you can charge up a power bank, take that into the woods. Your headlamp can be rechargeable. Your flashlight can be rechargeable. Your phone can be rechargeable. You got all these rechargeable things. Batteries have kind of become a thing of the past. I mean, and it's happened kind of recently, like very recently. Uh, a year ago, I, I was not even considering making everything in my pack, in my setup, a rechargeable device. I wasn't even thinking about it. I was still buying AAA batteries and making sure that I had plenty of batteries in my backpack anytime that I'd go out. My headlamp. I love these Petzl headlamps. I've been a fan of these. I've been using these for 20 years. Something like that. Don't don't quote me on the exact uh, time. But I've been using them for a long, long time. I, I love the design of them. I love the form factor and everything. Um, they've got these Petzl headlamps that come with a, a hybrid sort of thing where you can put in a rechargeable battery but you can take the rechargeable battery out and you can just put in regular AAA batteries and I think that's a wonderful thing but here you go I just got this from Amazon Amazon sent me this to review it's another headlamp has no accessible battery at all and I'm telling you what, I, I love this headlamp. I it, I got two of them. Now the only complaint I have about them is that they're using uh, a rechargeable connection that is on its way out. I think it's USB-A and everything's going to USB-C. Fifteen bucks for two of them. These Petzl's, you know, I was paying fifty dollars a piece for these. And you still got to buy batteries for them. Now, I can carry one of these rechargeable headlamps with a power bank and I'm set. I'm set for I'm, it doesn't matter if I'm out there for three months because I can carry a solar panel which I do nowadays. There you go. A 28 watt solar charger that I could carry in my backpack no problem. It's got four solar panels on it. Generates 28 watts easy peasy. Plug my power bank into that out in the back country. Once my power bank's got a charge, I charge my headlamps, I charge everything else, my flashlight, and no need for me to carry batteries which are finite. The batteries are finite. They've always been finite. So I've always, whenever I've gone out into the back country, I've always had to say, listen, let's say I get lost out there for a month. Um, let me take this many AA batteries. And that's another thing, is that Everything I bought had to be had to take one type of battery. Everything had to take one type of battery. Now, if you're still carrying batteries, that's an that's some advice that I would give to you. Don't be carrying things that take different types of batteries. So, if you're carrying a handheld flashlight, a headlamp, and a radio, let's say, you don't want your flashlight to take AA batteries while your headlamp takes AAA batteries. Furthermore. You don't want any type of device that takes a, like a, an odd battery, like a battery that's just not very common. You don't want that. 
because the end of the world comes, you want to be able to jump into a, a pharmacy and grab a bunch of batteries and run out and know that they're going to work in your device. You don't want to have to go to some specialty aisle in some specialty store to get batteries for the flashlight that you've chosen to carry. And yet, all of those arguments become moot when you have access to so many solar options and rechargeable options. I love it. I'm currently in the process of replacing every single headlamp and flashlight that I own with rechargeable options. So, which is better, the old or the new? Well, how far back do you want to go? They were using torches back in Egypt, ancient Egypt, oil lamps back in ancient Israel. You can do that if you want to. Is it a superior thing to what we have today with these rechargeables? I, I, my argument is not. Does it uh, detract from the experience in the woods? My argument is that it does not. Uh, a headlamp, for example, does not need to have this nice golden amber light. The only thing that has to, ha has to have the nice golden amber light is the lamp that you use in camp, not while you're traveling to camp. Only the light source that you use while you're in camp has to have that nice golden natural light that will not detract from the natural experience of being in the woods. Lanterns, you know, we talked about them. We've already mentioned them, but we talked about them last week. Which is better, the old lanterns or the new lanterns? Well, in a lot of ways, I'd say that the fewer hand oil lanterns are better for certain circumstances, but not for all circumstances. Not on an 80-mile backpacking trip. On an 80-mile backpacking trip, I'd rather take one of the modern lanterns with a nice golden orange light that mimics candlelight or oil light. Boots. Are you going to insist on wearing the same boots that uh, Simon Kenton was running around in in Kentucky, West Virginia, and southeastern Ohio? Uh, you're an idiot. In my, in my opinion, you're an idiot if you do. Being practical, I'm going with the Keens and the, the Merrills every day, all day, all year long. I like the Gore-Tex. I like boots that, you know, that, that are modern and made for walking on long distances through the woods. Got the nice traction on the bottoms of them. You know, I'd bet you, I'd bet you a nickel of somebody else's money that when Simon Kenton was running around in Kentucky fighting the Shawnee, that he didn't have any tread on the bottom of his boots. I'd say they were probably as slick as could be. I bet he slipped and fell a bunch of times. And I, and I don't have to worry about that. So there is an advantage. There is definitely an indefinite improvement over the old-style boots, and they don't detract from the natural world. My system is a hybrid system. I really love the old ways, but they, they have to be superior to the new gear and new ways while at the same time not detracting from the natural world at all. It can't, it, it can't detract from the experience of the natural world. Otherwise, I'm sticking with the old stuff. You know, you look uh, around the Internet, you see the bushcraft guys all going all natural, don't they? They're all going all natural. They, they even dress the way. Grow their hair that way. Grow their beards the way. Uh, they, they insist, right? They, they can't just get into camp and start a fire. No, they got to get into camp, and then they got to go around, scrounge around, rip off some bark, get some birch bark and all that stuff, and then they got to set a spark to a, a bird's nest 
and then they got to get that fire going. You know, what do they use? Uh, flint and steel, right? Because that's the way the old guys did it. That's fine if, you, if that's the way you want to do it. I'll tell you what, after I've hiked 15 miles a day and it's been 100 degrees outside and I get in the camp, I, I don't want to do that. There's no reason for me to do that. I'd rather pull out my modern ferrocerium rod or a lighter or something like that and a piece of fatwood. Fatwood, by the way, is old. It's the old style. Yeah, Fatwood's been around for since the dawn of man. And so it's a, it's a hybrid system that I've got. I'm not striking. I'm not going to sit there with my belt knife and a flint and try to start, strike a spark into a bird's nest. <laughs> Baby that thing when it's 3 degrees outside Fahrenheit, which is way below zero for you Celsius people. I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> There's no reason for me to do that. When I've got a ferroserum rod, I can psh, and get a fire going. And fatwood. Definitely a hybrid system I'm working on here. I'm not I'm not dogmatic about one way or another. I, I think I'm pretty reasonable about my approach to the woods. Practical, some might even say. But you think about these guys, they insist on looking <laughs> doing things the old way, right? They they want to look like Daniel Boone. They want to go out there looking like Daniel Boone. They will not use anything modern they, they're insistent on mimicking the old guys and the old ways. But if you think about how ridiculous that is, um, just to put it in the context, how did they get there? How did they get to where they're going? So they're going into the wilderness, right? How did they get there? They got there in an SUV, in air conditioning, listening to satellite radio and then they get to the trailhead or they get to the woods that the wilderness that they want to go into and then they go walking out there in their deerskin clothing flint and steel and all that it's it's absolutely ridiculous it's really juvenile if you if you think about it it's not practical i appreciate people keeping the old ways alive but to just show off and say, "Hey, look! Look what I'm doing," and the, you know, this is how I this is how I insist on doing things. Okay, you're a dummy. You're a dummy if if you're insisting on doing it that way, because you just drove up in a, in an you know an eighty thousand dollar SUV listening to satellite radio in air conditioning, and now you're like this woodsman from the 1700s. No, you're not. No, you're not. Listen, if you want to do it right. What I want you to do is I want you to ride a horse. I want you to get on horseback and ride from your house 200 miles to the trailhead or to the woods, and I want you to do it that way. You, you, you drove there in air conditioning, went out in your deerskin clothes with your cast iron skillets, you know, 20 minutes into the woods, just enough to sell it, just enough to make your video, and then you come back to what? Did you come back to a cabin with no air conditioning or no central heating? No, you didn't. You came back to that SUV, didn't you? And you got into that SUV, and you know what they did? They went straight to a hotel, took a shower, got out and got dressed in their jeans and their cotton t-shirts. So it's kind of a ridiculous thing, this fanaticism 
in either direction, right? I don't particularly like watching the, the YouTube channels of the guys who are only carrying modern stuff. They're only carrying modern stuff. They're only carrying the modern foods. They don't do any cooking or whatsoever out there. It's all freeze-dried or ramen noodles. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about that either. I don't like any extreme in either direction. If the only thing you're doing is the modern stuff, you're only using modern backpacks, modern clothing, you know, all REI, Cabela's. Um, I wish I knew what you folks, uh, like in England and Australia, like your, your outfitter stores are. I don't know if you have the same ones that we, that are big and famous here, but if you're only using stuff like that to go into the woods, you are alienating yourself from the experience of a connection, a true connection with the natural world. A lot of people would disagree with me about that. You're wrong. You're wrong. How would you know if, if you've never had it in the first place? Take it from somebody who grew up in the natural world and has, has lived in both of those worlds. I'm telling you, if you're using all the latest cutting-edge gear and everything like that, and, and you're living that life of the backpacker's life of, like, REI, uh, Backpackers Magazine and stuff, you've seen them. I mean, they're hippies. They're, those, those folks are hippies. And if you're watching the show and you're a fan, I, I'm not trying to insult you. Uh, I'm just saying there's a more fulfilling way. So you might be out there deep in the in the woods, but if you're using all only modern gear to cook, eat, dress, and all these things, you know all the synthetics and all that, then if you if you're strictly only using that stuff, it is alienating you from from the natural world. To make a real connection with the natural world and to really soak it in. You can't go all one way or the other. Now, I'll tell you, if you're going all the way the other way, like with all the old gear and stuff like that, it's just detracting from the experience. If you're miserable and you're carrying, you know, 80 pounds of stuff, <laughs> you know, a full axe with a hickory handle and all that, and you're so exhausted when you get into camp that you can't even really enjoy yourself, that's detracting from, that's detracting from the natural world too, ain't it? How about clothing wool alpaca goose down over synthetics every any day of the week the modern synthetics cannot beat wool alpaca and goose down nature provides a superior alternative to all synthetics in my opinion wool alpaca goose down are the gold standards when you buy synthetics what they're trying to do is they're trying to mimic the qualities of those natural materials and they never do it as well so there's an example where the old ways went over the new we talked about foods right I'd say that modern freeze-dried foods are superior to hardtack and pemmican any day because they're so much lighter to carry um, it depends on what time of the year you're going out you know even that I have a hybrid system in place I never just carry one system when it comes to food when I go out and I'm really out there in the back country I'm usually carrying a combination of old style 
versus uh, old style and new style. So I might be packing a meal or two of the freeze-dried foods. And at the same time, I might be carrying a tater. I might be carrying an onion, some things like that. Beef jerky. I like to actually cook rather than just pour hot water over my food every night. So I take a combination of those things. It's a, it's a hybrid system. I take some freeze-dried foods, and I take some natural foods, too. What about plastics? I've got the BCB British canteen here, which is made out of plastic, and the Crusader cup, which is made out of stainless steel. It's my favorite cooking cup of all time, and I've tried lots of different cooking cups. What would you say? Simon Kitten carrying plastic? No, he, he weren't carrying plastic. So should I not carry plastic? Are you kidding me? It, it's the best woodsman set that exists on the earth today. I, I've tried them all. Titanium. There's nothing titanium that comes even close to this set. This is the best set. So you've got a combination here. <laughs> on the one hand, you've got a steel cup. And then at the, the same time, you've got this modern plastic bottle. There's, there's another good example of a hybrid system. I, I love this cook set. There's nothing better on the market. Plastics do not necessarily take away from the experience of the natural world. Rain gear. You think the old rain gear is better? You folks dressing up like Simon Kenton and going out into the woods with your beards and everything and your long hair. Do you think that your rain gear is superior to modern rain gear? I would beg to differ. I'd beg to differ. Tell you what those oil cloth weighs 50 pounds you're, you're carrying an oil cloth poncho out into the woods when you can carry like a frog togs which is breathable like you can actually put it on it weighs nothing while you're wearing it wearing it it's not plastic so you're not like sweating to death inside of it it's actually breathing and at the same time it's keeping you dry you're telling me that a oil cloth poncho is superior to that no the modern rain poncho is vastly superior to all of the rain gear of times past it's ridiculous to insist on old gear for everything it, that that ain't practical at the same time if you're insistent on new gear and the new ways of doing things for everything you're not learning anything and it's robbing you of a deeper connection with the, the natural world. You, you never want that to happen. You never want your modern fancy-pantsy gear to alienate you from the modern world that you're trying to draw closer to. You want all of your gear to enhance the experience, not take away from it. That's why I say with these, lamp, these lanterns, a, a bright white, unnaturally white light out there in the middle of the woods it's completely out of place it, it's completely unnatural it, it's not it's not right there you say well that's a small thing it's not a small thing not not if you're wanting to really get feel a spiritual connection with nature that's why i say if you're going to go with a modern day lantern which i'm not against but it can't be it can't be a light like this it's got to be a light that mimics candlelight 
or like a natural campfire light. Then, even though you're using modern equipment and modern technology, it's actually enhancing the experience, the natural experience, and the natural surroundings that you're in. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show for tonight. Uh, appreciate you guys joining me, and I'll see you uh, very soon. You folks have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time.